Hello and welcome to Heroes Unmasked, staff stories from Leeds Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust with me, Caroline Verdon. Here's a question for you. What do champion fencers, award-winning sheep farmers and professional rugby players have to do with Leeds Teaching Hospitals? Answer? They all work for the hospitals. This series goes behind the scenes to meet directors, doctors, support staff and everyone in between to find out who the people behind the masks really are. Welcome to episode four. Uh, So as we always say, please do click like, give us a review, click follow, because that way you won't miss out on a single episode. Now, this week, I think you might join me in thinking that we may have found the official superwoman, because we're chatting to Megan Holmes this week. Now, she is a play specialist on the paediatric intensive care unit at Leeds Children's Hospital, which is an incredibly difficult job, I think we could all agree anyway. But as well as this, she is also a championship sheep farmer. So I've got a flock of around 150 sheep, pedigree and commercial. And then I've got two shire horses, two alpacas, a range of chickens, three cats and a dog. Wow. Yeah. How has this come about? Like, you know, just how? (laughs) My mum was a farmer's daughter. So a lot of my farming inspiration has come from my granddad. Um, I lost my granddad 10 years ago, um, which was really hard. And then I kind of fell out of farming, did my childcare degrees um, and ventured off into the childcare world all my 10 years experience with children in different aspects of different jobs and stuff like that. And then um, I met my partner five years ago and we were like, oh, we've got some spare money. Let's just start a farm up. And here we are. Here we are. (laughs) Most people say we've got some spare money. Shall we go on holiday? (laughs) I also wanted to go to the Caribbean too. So, um, But we um, bought a flock of 20 sheep. So we started with 20 sheep. Um, just a range of 10 texels and 10 mules, which are very easy sheep. I'd obviously got some like sheep experience before, obviously with my granddad. I spent many days with him on the farm. Um, and so I said, oh, these are easy sheep. We can lamb them really easily. The good growers. Um, and now, yeah, we've got 150 of them. And did your partner have experience with farming? No, and his hands are like shovels. So the vet has told him to go anywhere near a sheep, especially in lambing season. (laughs) (laughs) So how did you go then from, I mean, 20 sheep sounds like more than a hobby, but let's call it a large hobby to 150. I just, I just love them. They're such creatures and there's obviously many farms within the UK and obviously there's big farmers and I think I'd love to be a farmer full-time all the time and I think that's my overall dream to live in the Yorkshire Dales um, and make my own TV series with 15 kids Um, (laughs) but um, I think the animals are my therapy of what I do now on the ward and the reason why we got more is I just kind of went to sales, took his credit card and off I went um, and then came back with a range of different other ones. Um, and then we went into the pedigree side of things. So we go to different shows, like we have to groom them and wash them and shampoo them. And then we take them into the ring. So we take some, they're called badger face, 
which are a Welsh sheep. They come off the highlands, so they are absolutely wild. And we've also got some Zwarbles, which are black with a big white stripe down the face. So we take them to like Cheshire Show, Yorkshire Show, all over the UK, just in our spare time. And what do you do? You know, when you say you like you take them, how does it all work? So we bring them in, obviously. To, um, so we need to pressure wash them, give them a good shampoo, go brush them, comb them, cut them, make the fleeces really bushy so the judges can't see any dents or anything like that. Make the horns so our badger face ram has got really two really big curled horns. Um, so we spruce them up, make them shiny, make them stand out. And then we pack them all up, put them all in the trailer and off we go. And how do you do at these events? So it was our first year showing this year. And obviously due to COVID, it's been really difficult because obviously a lot of shows haven't gone ahead and they, a lot of have been online. And I think it's really hard to do something online with a sheep show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't really get much signal in the field, so... uh, (laughs) It can be quite difficult. So we said we'd only do it if we could go to the shows. And our first show was at Cheshire, the Royal Cheshire Show. And we went down, slept in the car that night. All our sheep were bleating all night long. Um, And we came third for the best. um, We came third place for aged ewe. So that's a, a ewe, which is a woman sheep who have had babies in that year. So we came third at Cheshire Royal, um, which was incredible because some of the that was with his warble you, um, and there was some absolute incredible competition throughout this UK with warbles, and I've met some amazing breeders, and I've got some friends for life throughout the UK, all over the UK, and they've taught me everything I know about shows, and I've got so much to learn. That's my new venture for next year. So our first show next year is the Highland Show up in Scotland. So, yeah, we just go and have fun. And do you sell the sheep? Like, what happens to them? Are they are they meat sheep? Yeah, so obviously the commercial side, we sell our um, sheep for meat and then we keep our girls back for shearling. So we grow them for a year and then they go on for breeding um, next year. So we obviously winter in them now and we'll sell them in April, May time, um, ready for tupping, which is when a the rams go in and have lots of fun for four weeks um and they will sell them there ready for the topping season next year or we might even keep some back just as a little extra so you went from the sheep and then you know the alpaca started now I love an alpaca (laughs) I about I don't know how long ago now, maybe 10 years ago, was walking through Oxford and there was an alpaca walking down the road. And I thought, what on earth is going on here? And it turns out that Oxford was hosting the World Alpaca Gala. I don't know what. Um, And I thought, you know what? I'm absolutely, I don't care how much it is. I'm paying an entrance fee and I'm having a nosy at this. Um, And it was in like one of like the Oxford University's really swanky buildings with like the courtyard and stuff. But there's just all these different alpacas and loads of different people showing like different products and you could buy different products that have been made from alpaca wool. And it was fascinating. And I just loved the alpacas. They just seemed so friendly, unlike a spitty llama. Mm. Um, And the fluffy, furry hair that they've got, the confused look on their face all the time. (laughs) I just... adore them i know as a um 
has that very friendly, though they are friendly to us because we feed them. Um, <laughs> but I think if you threw a harness around the face, I think they'd spit at you quite a lot. We use the alpacas to protect the lambs from foxes. So where we live, there is a lot of foxes. Obviously, we're in the countryside. It's fields and fields and fields. And obviously, there's wildlife out there. Um, and obviously, lambs, you put lambs out in the fields within days of them being born, and which that's the best for them because if you keep them inside longer, there's bigger risks of infections and pneumonia and stuff like that. And it's so much better to get a sun on a lamb's back than anything else. Um and so we put the alpacas in with them. So they protect the lambs from foxes because foxes take days old lambs. They like charge at them and like keep them off and start screaming. So when we know when there's a fox around because the alpacas like scream and they're just chilling wow. in the front field for the rest of the year eating carrots. Wow. Yeah. And do you do anything with the wool? No. So we've got, um, we've got quite a lot of alpaca wool. I'm trying to persuade my grand to make me some alpaca socks because apparently... <laughs> apparently they're really warm and cozy so I'm trying to persuade her to spin the wool and make me some alpaca socks or a nice cardigan or something like that so we have still got the wool is there an animal on the list that you don't have yet so I want to go that's that is my aim for a go and also I want a donkey I'd like a donkey actually basically a full-on menagerie and a reindeer wow I don't even know where you buy reindeers from like Lapland do you buy them Father from Christmas? Lapland <laughs> <laughs> is there reindeer dealers in the UK? Um, so, yeah, I'd like a reindeer. <laughs> it's going to be a zoo before long, isn't it? Um, so would you say then that it was your grandfather who just instilled this love of animals in you? Absolutely. So my granddad was like my best friend and um, I was absolutely heartbroken when he died. Um, and we actually buried him on my 15th birthday. He died on the 1st of December and um, we buried him on my 15th birthday because there was no other day available. Um, and I stood up there and did him proud and um, then kind of went into a really dark space of my life and really struggled. I was in my GCSEs at that point and I really struggled and I needed to do something for me and he he taught me all about the farm and like being out and about and just like them nights we used to sit on the combine together and just watch the sunset go down. And I always grew up around him. He was always there for me. Um, and then when we went, when we went to Cheshire this year, I brought the, um, she was called Glorious, the sheep. She's one of those warbles who won third prize. And my mum turned around to me and said, your granddad would be so proud of you today. And that, all I aim to do is make him proud in the farming, farming industry. The farming industry is really tough anyway. But to do him proud and his, for his daughter to say that, obviously, which is my mum, was the best thing I've ever heard. Because it's so, it's been so difficult without him. Um, but I know I'm doing him proud, and he just loved the farming environment. He he grew up in the farming world. All his brothers did, um, and I know, I know all the things that he taught me as a child have made who I am today. Um, and he taught me some really good morals and 
a lot of respect and and do what you need to do as a person and if you want something you go get it and that's what I'm trying to do we're gonna take these sheep to the show and we're gonna win them all fingers crossed anyway (laughs) it's just special to have something that he was so passionate about which is also engraved in me and hopefully I can pass that down to generations to come fingers crossed so and yeah. how does this all sort of tie in? You said that, you know, you find that your animals are sort of a therapy from work because your job must be really difficult. Yeah, it is. It is really difficult. Being a play specialist on a critical care unit brings its own barriers. Obviously, these kids that I work with are the sickest in the UK. And I think for my own therapy, Obviously, the girls on PICU are the most incredible girls I've ever ever worked with. They are the biggest support system, um, and I'd hope I support them also. But I also get a lot of therapy out of sitting in a sheep field with my flock of sheep just chilling with me. I've got a certain few sheep who are names. I've got Betty and Maggie, and they're two Charolais crossers, and they will literally come and sit underneath me and just rest their heads on me. And I get a lot of comfort out of that. And especially when I've had a really difficult day and I've had to use every ounce of my energy and compassion and everything. Sometimes it's just nice to put my phone to one side, get out of the car and sit in the field and just breathe and just enjoy what's around me. And I've done that many times. And I think it's, I think it's, really good therapy animals are really good therapy for anybody um and I just I don't know it's something people just think I'm crazy like working five days a week on a intensive care unit and then go home and have this flock of animals to care for and the girls always take the mick out of me saying oh she'll be awake it's 4am she'll be out feeding the sheep somewhere I definitely are I definitely get out of bed at 7am and get dressed and leave the house at 10 past 7 um but like lambing time the girls the girls look forward to lambing and like they they come up and see me and I think that's therapy for them too obviously we're all very aware that the COVID pandemic has been really tough on the frontline staff it's been very testing and some of these girls are newly qualified or I've got years experience it's just been as hard as a person who's been qualified six weeks to 25 years and it's for them to hold a lamb is the best thing since sliced bread. And it's that's really nice. To, that's something that I can give back to them. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's I enjoy it. And my life is so busy and I have a really busy, busy day. I get, come to work and then I go home and sort the animals. But actually, it keeps me sane to do what I do every day. And I I said to my partner the other day, I said, if we got rid of the sheep, I don't think I'd be able to have the mindset that I do to walk onto an intensive care unit and do the job that I do. I don't think I could at all. Have you ever thought about combining the two? I remember years ago, I interviewed a lady who had a, for want of a better word, horse sanctuary, but she did equine therapy Mm -hmm. um, and... I sort of thought that this is a load of nonsense, went along and it was the most amazing thing ever. Like you say, just to sit in a field 
Um, and these horses just sort of wandered around and every now and then they put their head out for you to stroke it. And, but there was something really grounding about the way it brought you and the animals brought you to the present and brought you to the now. Mm. Have you ever thought about combining those two sort of sets of skills? Absolutely. I um, Many years ago, 12 years ago probably, um, I did a placement in a nursery and they had lots of animals and the children could tend to the animals and see the animals and it was the best nursery I've ever worked in. Their, their aim for a child to be involved in the animal care is really important and like where animals come from and how they grow up and where eggs come from and stuff like that. And I've always thought about building a nursery and having it very much an animal-led nursery, um, like showing the children like lambing and stuff like that and and them enjoying that moment. That's how I've grown up. I've grown up in a farming environment and I don't know, I, th- I want to do lots in my future, but I don't actually know what. It'll come one day, won't it? I'm 30 next year. We'll see what it brings. <laughs> More animals, hopefully. Probably. But I'll be absolutely bankrupt and um, have 5,000 animals. <laughs> I find it so interesting how completely different these two jobs are and yet how entwined they are for you. They work so closely together and it keeps me running and keeps me waking up every morning and tackling another day on critical care. I couldn't do the hospital job without the sheep but I also love the hospital as much as I do the sheep, Uh, as much as I want my own farm and have this big business of animals and children learning and stuff like that. It'd make me really sad to leave leave PICU. And I don't think in all the years that I've worked within childcare, I've never been so passionate about bringing play to children on critical care. It's such a specialised job and so nice to see a child smile and giving them the opportunity to, to play. A play specialist on critical care at Leeds is a very new post. Um, it's been a very difficult couple of years, and especially working through a pandemic, developing a new role. I couldn't do what I do as a play specialist on the ward without the wonderful nurses, doctors, housekeepers, everyone around me to help and support me and guide me in this critical care journey. My line manager is incredible. Um, I'm so proud of everybody out there because I walked past a bed space the other day and it brought so much love to my heart. It was a little baby, probably two days old. And the nurse, she was sat reading a book to her. And this little baby was obviously very sick, but she just sat there and read to the little girl um, and it was so heartwarming that my my skills have beamed onto everybody else. So even if I'm not here, obviously, I need to lamb all my babies at home, all my sheep. So obviously, I'm not here for some time of the year. And it's so lovely to see that the girls have also picked them skills up to just bring that little bit of sparkle into that child's life. It doesn't matter if they're three hours old or 18 years old. Play must be given to a child and it should be entitled to play as much as it doesn't matter what environment they're in. Play must be there. That child just has to have that bit of sparkle each day. So it's, yeah, it's a very special job and I absolutely love it. I have never been happier 
even though the pandemic has been really difficult. But I've never been happier within my job role. But I couldn't do it without these people on this wall behind me. That was Megan Holmes, the play specialist on the paediatric intensive care unit at Leeds Children's Hospital. Hands down, one of the most passionate people I think I've ever met. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do remember to click like, uh, give us a review and click follow. Coming up on next week's episode, we chat to Paul Jones. Now, he is the Chief Digital Information Officer across Leeds Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust. But what most people don't realise about him is he is also a secret twitcher. He'll reveal all next week. Heroes Unmasked is an under the mast audio production.